Hello there. I'm glad that you're back so that you don't miss the wonderful treasures God has for us today. This is episode 165, and we read 2 Samuel 14, Psalm 113, and Romans 15. So let's turn to 2 Samuel 14. There is more than one way in which David did not obey God's instructions for kings. The big one, of course, is the Bathsheba affair, but God had already said that kings should not have lots of wives. David's daughter Tamar was raped by her half-brother Amnon, and after two years Absalom, Tamar's brother, murdered Amnon. 2 Samuel 14 Joab knew that King David missed Absalom very much, so he sent for a clever woman who lived in Tekoa. When she arrived, he said to her, Pretend that you are in mourning, put on your mourning clothes, and don't comb your hair. Act like a woman who has been in mourning for a long time. Then go to the king and say to him what I tell you to say. Then Joab told her what to say. The woman went to the king, bowed down to the ground in respect, and said, Help me, your majesty. What do you want? he asked her. I am a poor widow, sir. My husband is dead. Sir, I had two sons, and one day they got into a quarrel out in the fields where there was no one to separate them and one of them killed the other. And now, sir, all my relatives have turned against me and are demanding that I hand my son over to them so that they can kill him for murdering his brother. If they do this, I will be left without a son. They will destroy my last hope and leave my husband without a son to keep his name alive." Go back home, the king answered, and I will take care of the matter. Your Majesty, whatever you do, my family and I will take the blame. You and the royal family are innocent. The king replied, If anyone threatens you, bring him to me, and he will never bother you again. She said, Your Majesty, Please pray to the Lord your God, so that my relative who is responsible for avenging the death of my son will not commit a greater crime by killing my other son. I promise by the living Lord that your son will not be harmed in the least. Please, Your Majesty, let me say just one more thing. All right. Why have you done such a wrong to God's people? You have not allowed your own son to return from exile, and so you have condemned yourself by what you have just said. We will all die. We are like water spilled on the ground, which can't be gathered again. Even God does not bring the dead back to life, but the king can at least find a way to bring a man back from exile. Now, Your Majesty, the reason I have come to speak to you is that the people threatened me, and so I said to myself that I would speak to you in the hope that you would do what I ask. I thought you would listen to me and save me from the one who is trying to kill my son and me, and so remove us from the land God gave his people. I said to myself that your promise, sir, would make me safe, because the king is like God's angel and can distinguish good from evil. May the Lord your God be with you. The king answered, I'm going to ask you a question, and you must tell me the whole truth. Ask me anything, your majesty. Did Joab put you up to this? I swear by all that is sacred, your majesty, that there is no way to avoid answering your question. It was indeed your officer Joab who told me what to do and what to say. 
but he did it in order to straighten out this whole matter. Your majesty is as wise as the angel of God and knows everything that happens. Later on the king said to Joab, I have decided to do what you want. Go and get the young man Absalom and bring him back here. Joab threw himself to the ground in front of David in respect and said, God bless you, your majesty. Now I know that you are pleased with me, because you have granted my request. Then he got up and went to Geshur and brought Absalom back to Jerusalem. The king, however, gave orders that Absalom should not live in the palace. I don't want to see him, the king said. So Absalom lived in his own house and did not appear before the king. There was no one in Israel as famous for his good looks as Absalom. He had no defect from head to toe. His hair was very thick, and he had to cut it once a year when it grew too long and heavy. It would weigh about five pounds according to the royal standard of weights. Absalom had three sons and one daughter named Tamar, a very beautiful woman. Absalom lived two years in Jerusalem without seeing the king. Then he sent for Joab to ask him to go to the king for him, but Joab would not come. Again Absalom sent for him, and again Joab refused to come. So Absalom said to his servants, Look, Joab's field is next to mine, and it has barley growing in it. Go and set fire to it. So they went and set the field on fire. Joab went to Absalom's house and demanded, Why did your servants set fire to my field? Absalom answered, Because you wouldn't come when I sent for you. I wanted you to go to the king and ask for me. Why did I leave Geshur to come here? It would have been better for me to have stayed there. And Absalom went on, I want you to arrange for me to see the king. If I'm guilty, then let him put me to death. So Joab went to King David and told him what Absalom had said. The king sent for Absalom, who went to him and bowed down to the ground in front of him. The king welcomed him with a kiss. And now let's read Psalm 113. This is a song praising our incomparable God. Psalm 113 Praise the Lord. You servants of the Lord, praise Him. May His name be held in reverence now and forever. From the east to the west, let the name of the Lord be held in reverence. The Lord rules over all nations. His glory is above the heavens. There is no one like the Lord our God. He lives in the heights above, but he bends down to see the heavens and the earth. He raises the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from their misery and makes them companions of princes, the princes of his people. He honors the childless wife in her home. He makes her happy by giving her children. Praise the Lord. Now let's open for the first time to Romans 15. Paul continues what he was on about in yesterday's reading. We must accept other believers even though we don't agree on prohibitions, practices, or rituals. Disputes over these things often come from our differing backgrounds. Romans 15 We who are strong in our belief in Christ ought to help the weak to carry their burdens. We should not please ourselves. Instead, we should all please other believers for their own good 
in order to build them up in believing. For Christ did not please himself. Instead, as the scripture quotes the Messiah's words to God, the insults which are hurled at you have fallen on me. Everything written in the scriptures was written to teach us in order that we might have hope through the patience and encouragement which the scriptures give us. And may God, the source of patience and encouragement, enable you to have the same point of view among yourselves by following the example of Christ Jesus, so that all of you together may praise with one voice the God and Father of our Lord Christ Jesus. Accept one another then for the glory of God, as Christ has accepted you. For I tell you that Christ's life of service was on behalf of the Jews, to show that God is faithful, to make his promises to their ancestors come true, and to enable even the Gentiles to praise God for his mercy. As the scripture says, and so I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing praises to you. Again it says, Rejoice, Gentiles, with God's people. And again, Praise the Lord, all Gentiles. Praise him, all peoples. And again, Yesiah says, A descendant of Jesse will appear. He will come to rule the Gentiles, and they will put their hope in him. May God, the source of hope, fill you with all joy and peace by means of your believing in him, so that your hope will continue to grow by the power of the Holy Spirit. My friends, I myself feel sure that you are full of goodness, that you have all knowledge, and that you are able to teach one another. But in this letter I have been quite bold about certain subjects of which I have reminded you. I have been bold because of the privilege God has given me of being a servant of Christ Jesus to work for the Gentiles. I serve like a priest in preaching the good news from God in order that the Gentiles may be an offering acceptable to God dedicated to him by the Holy Spirit. In union with Christ Jesus, then, I can be proud of my service for God. I will be bold and speak only about what Christ has done through me to lead the Gentiles to obey God. He has done this by means of words and deeds, by the power of miracles and wonders, and by the power of the Spirit of God. And so, in traveling all the way from Jerusalem to Illyricum, I have proclaimed fully the good news about Christ. My ambition has always been to proclaim the good news in places where Christ has not been heard of, so as not to build on a foundation laid by someone else. As the scripture says, Those who were not told about him will see and those who have not heard will understand. And so I have been prevented many times from coming to you, but now I have finished my work in these regions, and since I have been wanting for so many years to come to see you, I hope to do so now. I would like to see you on my way to Spain and be helped by you to go there after I have enjoyed visiting you for a while. Right now, however, I'm going to Jerusalem in the service of God's people there. For the church in Macedonia and Achaia have freely decided to give an offering to help the poor among God's people in Jerusalem. That decision was their own, but, as a matter of fact, they have an obligation to help them. Since the Jews shared their spiritual blessings with the Gentiles, the Gentiles ought to use their material blessings to help the Jews. When I have finished this task and have turned over to them all the money that has been raised for them, 
I shall leave for Spain and visit you on my way there. When I come to you, I know that I shall come with a full measure of the blessing of Christ. I urge you, friends, by our Lord Christ Jesus and by the love that the Spirit gives, join me in praying fervently to God for me. Pray that I may be kept safe from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service in Jerusalem may be acceptable to God's people there. And so I will come to you full of joy, if it is God's will, and enjoy a refreshing visit with you. May God, our source of peace, be with all of you. Amen. Please join me in prayer today. Lord, our God, there is no one like you. We praise you, and may your reputation be held in honor everywhere. May you be praised from one end of the earth and heavens to the other, from east to west and north to south. You rule in sovereign control over the nations. Nothing escapes your notice. Even though your glory is higher than the heavens, you have bent down so low to raise us up from the dust. And that includes both Jews and Gentiles and people of all races. I pray that you, Lord Jesus, would give a vision like Paul's to your followers all over the world, that we might seek those places where people have not heard about you and proclaim you to those people. There are still so many who have not been told about you. They are the Bibleless and churchless people groups. So many are those who have been misled by false teaching. And in the Western world, they are those who have rejected you time and again to follow empty modern philosophy. Open the minds and hearts of people from East and West, in the unengaged groups, and among hopeless people everywhere. Today, may we help our fellow believers to carry their burdens, not pleasing ourselves, but living for your glory. Hi there. It's my joy to read to you again. This episode is number 167. And today I get to read to you 2 Samuel 16, Psalm 115, and Romans 16. I want to remind you of the wonderful verse about God's Word that we read just yesterday. Everything written in the Scriptures was written to teach us in order that we might have hope through the patience and encouragement which the Scriptures give us. Yes, I'm glad you're back to be taught and to receive hope and patience and encouragement. So let's take a look at Second Samuel 16. Absalom stole the hearts of all Israel by being a shrewd politician. Then he mounted a rebellion against his own father. David fled from Jerusalem to avoid bloodshed. And as he left, he planted several carefully chosen people to work for him. 2 Samuel 16 When David had gone a little beyond the top of the hill, he was suddenly met by Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, who had with him a couple of donkeys loaded with two hundred loaves of bread, a hundred bunches of raisins, a hundred bunches of fresh fruit, and a leather bag full of wine. King David asked him, 
What are you going to do with all that? Ziba answered, The donkeys are for your majesty's family to ride. The bread and the fruit are for the men to eat, and the wine is for them to drink when they get tired in the wilderness. Where is Mephibosheth, the grandson of your master Saul? The king asked him. He is staying in Jerusalem because he is convinced that the Israelites will now restore to him the kingdom of his grandfather Saul. The king said to Ziba, Everything that belonged to Mephibosheth is yours. Ziba replied, I am your servant. May I always please your majesty. When King David arrived at Bahurim, one of Saul's relatives, Shimei, son of Gera, came out to meet him, cursing him as he came. Shimei started throwing stones at David and his officials, even though David was surrounded by his men and his bodyguards. Shimei cursed him and said, Get out! Get out, murderer! Criminal! You took Saul's kingdom, and now the Lord is punishing you for murdering so many of Saul's family. The Lord has given the kingdom to your son, Absalom, and you are ruined, you murderer. Abishai, whose mother was Zeruiah, said to the king, Your majesty, why do you let this dog curse you? Let me go over there and cut off his head. This is none of your business, the king said to Abishai and his brother Joab. If he curses me because the Lord told him to, who has the right to ask why he does it? And David said to Abishai and to all his officials, My own son is trying to kill me, so why should you be surprised at this Benjaminite? The Lord told him to curse, so leave him alone and let him do it. Perhaps the Lord will notice my misery and give me some blessing to take the place of his curse. So David and his men continued along the road. Shimei kept up with them, walking on the hillside. He was cursing and throwing stones and dirt at them as he went. The king and all his men were worn out when they reached the Jordan, and there they rested. Absalom and all the Israelites with him entered Jerusalem, and Ahithophel was with them. When Hushai, David's trusted friend, met Absalom, he shouted, Long live the king! Long live the king! What has happened to your loyalty to your friend David? Absalom asked him. Why didn't you go with him? Hushai answered, How could I? I am for the one chosen by the Lord, by these people, and by all the Israelites. I will stay with you. After all, whom should I serve if not my master's son? As I served your father, so now I will serve you. Then Absalom turned to Ahithophel and said, Now that we are here, what do you advise us to do? Ahithophel answered, Go and have intercourse with your father's concubines, whom he left behind to take care of the palace. Then everyone in Israel will know that your father regards you as his enemy, and your followers will be greatly encouraged. So they set up a tent for Absalom on the palace roof, and in the sight of everyone Absalom went in and had intercourse with his father's concubines. Any advice that Ahithophel gave in those days was accepted as though it were the very word of God. Both David and Absalom followed it. Now let's open to Psalm 115. I know I have said it a lot, but can't help saying it again. This is one of my favorite psalms. Our God is so different than idols. He is in heaven and does whatever he pleases. Psalm 115 
to you alone, O Lord, to you alone and not to us must glory be given because of your constant love and faithfulness. Why should the nations ask us, Where is your God? Our God is in heaven. He does whatever he wishes. Their gods are made of silver and gold, formed by human hands. They have mouths, but cannot speak, and eyes, but cannot see. They have ears, but cannot hear, and noses, but cannot smell. They have hands, but cannot feel, and feet, but cannot walk, and they cannot make a sound. May all who make them and who trust in them become like the idols they have made. Trust in the Lord, you people of Israel. He helps you and protects you. Trust in the Lord, you priests of God. He helps you and protects you. Trust in the Lord, all you that worship him. He helps you and protects you. The Lord remembers us and will bless us. He will bless the people of Israel and all the priests of God. He will bless everyone who honors him, the great and the small alike. May the Lord give you children, you and your descendants. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. Heaven belongs to the Lord alone, but he gave the earth to us humans. The Lord is not praised by the dead, by any who go down to the land of silence. But we, the living, will give thanks to him now and forever. Praise the Lord. Let's open to the last chapter of Romans, chapter 16. And in this reading plan, this is the only chapter of Romans that is given just one day. Having told of his plans to visit Rome on his way to Spain and how he must first go to Jerusalem, Paul now turns to greeting his friends in Rome. I really enjoy this section. There is a real closeness in the family of God. We call each other brother or sister, and we really mean it. And our love and bonds of fellowship often span long distances. I enjoy seeing this in every phrase in this chapter. Romans 16 and the final chapter of Romans. I recommend to you our sister Phoebe, who serves the church at Kencrei. Receive her in the Lord's name, as God's people should, and give her any help she may need from you. For she herself has been a good friend to many people and also to me. I send greetings to Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in the service of Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. I am grateful to them, not only I, but all the Gentile churches as well. Greetings also to the church that meets in their house. Greetings to my dear friend Epinetus, who was the first in the province of Asia to believe in Christ. Greetings to Mary, who has worked so hard for you. Greetings also to Andronicus and Junia, fellow Jews who were in prison with me. They are well known among the apostles, and they became Christians before I did. My greetings to Ampliatus, my dear friend in the fellowship of the Lord. Greetings also to Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ's service, and to Stachis, my dear friend. Greetings to Apelles, whose loyalty to Christ has been proved. Greetings to those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. Greetings to Herodion, a fellow Jew, and to the Christians in the family of Narcissus. 
My greetings to Turifaina and Turifosa, who work in the Lord's service, and to my dear friend Persis, who has done so much work for the Lord. I send greetings to Rufus, that outstanding worker in the Lord's service, and to his mother, who has always treated me like a son. My greetings to Asincritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobas, Hermas, and all the other Christians with them. Greetings to Philologus and Julia, to Nereus and his sister, to Olympus, and to all of God's people who are with them. Greet one another with the kiss of peace. All the churches of Christ send you their greetings. I urge you, my friends, watch out for those who cause divisions and upset people's belief in Christ, and go against the teaching which you have received. Keep away from them. For those who do such things are not serving Christ our Lord, but their own appetites. By their fine words and flattering speech they deceive innocent people. Everyone has heard of your loyalty to the gospel, and for this reason I am happy about you. I want you to be wise about what is good, but innocent in what is evil. And God, our source of peace, will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Timothy, my fellow worker, sends you his greetings, and so do Lucius, Jason, and Sosipater, fellow Jews. I, Tertius, the secretary who wrote this letter for Paul, send you Christian greetings. My host, Gaius, in whose house the church meets, sends you his greetings. Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother Quartus send you their greetings. Let us give glory to God. He is able to make you stand firm in your believing, according to the good news I preach about Christ Jesus and according to the revelation of the secret truth, which was hidden for long ages in the past. Now, however, that truth has been brought out into the open through the writings of the prophets, and by the command of the eternal God it is made known to all nations, so that all may believe and obey. To the only God, who alone is all-wise, be glory through Christ Jesus forever. Amen. Let's pray together. Our Lord and our God, how we long for the day when you show that you are God and you defeat all idols. Many who would not in modern times worship a statue nevertheless are trusting and worshiping things that are not worthy of praise. One day, they will be ashamed. Lord, you are winning the victory now, even though it is not covered by most of our news services. You are not surprised by the things that are happening to us. Paul says here to us, Lord, you are able to make us stand firm in our believing in Christ. Yes, Lord, when you come back, we pray that it will be clear that we have stood firm in the truth of the good news. We pray that we will not be ashamed to meet you. Lord, we thank you for revealing all the truths in this book of Romans that were hidden for so long from mankind. Please make the revelations in this letter even clearer to us. And may we help others to believe and obey the good news. And finally, today, 
we thank you that your grace is with us. Hi there. Well, it's you and me, and Jesus is here with us. So I'm looking forward to these readings, which are for day number 166. They are Second Samuel 15, Psalm 114, and Romans 15. Let's open to Second Samuel 15. In our last reading, we heard how Joab creatively arranged to persuade David to bring Absalom back from exile, and how eventually David agreed to let Absalom meet him directly. 2 Samuel 15 After this, Absalom provided a chariot and horses for himself and an escort of fifty men. He would get up early and go and stand by the road at the city gate. Whenever someone came there with a dispute that he wanted the king to settle, Absalom would call him over and ask him where he was from, and after the man had told him what tribe he was from, Absalom would say, Look, the law is on your side, but there is no representative of the king to hear your case. And he would add, how I wish I were a judge, then anyone who had a dispute or a claim could come to me, and I would give him justice. When the man would approach Absalom to bow down before him, Absalom would reach out, take hold of him, and kiss him. Absalom did this with every Israelite who came to the king for judgment, and so he won their loyalty. After four years, Absalom said to King David, Sir, let me go to Hebron and keep a promise I made to the Lord. While I was living in Geshur in Syria, I promised the Lord that if he would take me back to Jerusalem, I would worship him in Hebron. Go in peace, the king said. So Absalom went to Hebron. But he sent messengers to all the tribes of Israel to say, When you hear the sound of trumpets, shout, Absalom has become king at Hebron. There were two hundred men who at Absalom's invitation had gone from Jerusalem with him. They knew nothing of the plot and went in all good faith. And while he was offering sacrifices, Absalom also sent to the town of Gilo for Ahitophel, who was one of King David's advisers. The plot against the king gained strength, and Absalom's followers grew in number. A messenger reported to David, The Israelites are pledging their loyalty to Absalom. So David said to all his officials who were with him in Jerusalem, we must get away at once if we want to escape from Absalom. Hurry, or else he will soon be here and defeat us and kill everyone in the city. Yes, your majesty, they answered. We are ready to do whatever you say. So the king left, accompanied by all his family and officials, except for ten concubines whom he left behind to take care of the palace. As the king and all his men were leaving the city, they stopped at the last house. All his officials stood next to him as the royal bodyguards passed by in front of him. The six hundred soldiers who had followed him from Goth also passed by. And the king said to Etai, their leader, Why are you going with us? Go back and stay with the new king. You are a foreigner, a refugee away from your own country. You have lived here only a short time, so why should I make you wander around with me? I don't even know where I'm going. Go back and take all your people with you, and may the Lord be kind and faithful to you. But Etai answered, Your Majesty, I swear to you in the Lord's name that I will always go with you wherever you go, even if it means death. 
Fine, David answered. March on. So Etai went on with all his men and their descendants. The people cried loudly as David's followers left. The king crossed Kidron Brook, followed by his men, and together they went out toward the wilderness. Zadok the priest was there, and with him were the Levites, carrying the sacred covenant box. They set it down and didn't pick it up again until all the people had left the city. The priest Abiathar was there too. Then the king said to Zadok, Take the covenant box back to the city. If the Lord is pleased with me, some day he will let me come back to see it and the place where it stays. But if he isn't pleased with me, well then, let him do to me what he wishes. And he went on to say to Zadok, Look, take your son Ahimaaz and Abiathar's son Jonathan and go back to the city in peace. Meanwhile, I will wait at the river crossings in the wilderness until I receive news from you. So Zadok and Abiathar took the covenant box back into Jerusalem and stayed there. David went on up the Mount of Olives, crying. He was barefoot and had his head covered as a sign of grief. All who followed him covered their heads and cried also. When David was told that Ahithophel had joined Absalom's rebellion, he prayed, Please, Lord, turn Ahithophel's advice into nonsense. When David reached the top of the hill, where there was a place of worship, his trusted friend Hushai the Archite met him with his clothes torn and with dirt on his head. David said to him, You will be of no help to me if you come with me, but you can help me by returning to the city and telling Absalom that you will now serve him as faithfully as you served his father and do all you can to oppose any advice that Ahithophel gives. The priests Zadok and Abiathar will be there. Tell them everything you hear in the king's palace. They have their sons Ahimaaz and Jonathan with them, and you can send them to me with all the information you gather. So Hushai, David's friend, returned to the city just as Absalom was arriving. Let's open to Psalm 114. This psalm praises the Lord for Israel's miraculous deliverance from Egypt. This has a good title in the Good News translation, A Passover Song. Psalm 114 When the people of Israel left Egypt, when Jacob's descendants left that foreign land, Judah became the Lord's holy people, Israel became his possession. The Red Sea looked and ran away, the Jordan River stopped flowing, the mountains skipped like goats, the hills jumped around like lambs. What happened, sea, to make you run away? And you, O oh Jordan, why did you stop flowing? You mountains, why did you skip like goats? You hills, why did you jump around like lambs? Tremble, earth, at the Lord's coming, at the presence of the God of Jacob, who changes rocks into pools of water and solid cliffs into flowing springs. Let's return to Romans 15. Chapter 15 of Romans comes to this summary sentence in verse 13. May God, the source of hope, fill you with all joy and peace by means of your believing in him, so that your hope will continue to grow by the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 15 
We who are strong in our belief in Christ ought to help the weak carry their burdens. We should not please ourselves. Instead, we should all please other believers for their own good in order to build them up in believing. For Christ did not please himself. Instead, as the scripture quotes the Messiah's words to God, the insults which are hurled at you have fallen on me. Everything written in the scriptures was written to teach us in order that we might have hope through the patience and encouragement which the scriptures give us. And may God, the source of patience and encouragement, enable you to have the same point of view among yourselves by following the example of Christ Jesus, so that all of you together may praise with one voice the God and Father of our Lord Christ Jesus. Accept one another then for the glory of God, as Christ has accepted you. For I tell you that Christ's life of service was on behalf of the Jews to show that God is faithful, to make his promises to their ancestors come true, and to enable even the Gentiles to praise God for his mercy. As the scripture says, And so I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing praises to you. And again, Rejoice, Gentiles, with God's people. And again, praise the Lord, all Gentiles. Praise him, all peoples. And again, Isaiah says, A descendant of Jesse will appear. He will come to rule the Gentiles, and they will put their hope in him. May God, the source of hope, fill you with all joy and peace by means of your believing in him, so that your hope will continue to grow by the power of the Holy Spirit. My friends, I myself feel sure that you are full of goodness, that you have all knowledge, and that you are able to teach one another. But in this letter I have been quite bold about certain subjects of which I have reminded you. I have been bold because of the privilege God has given me of being a servant of Christ Jesus to work for the Gentiles. I serve like a priest in preaching the good news from God, in order that the Gentiles may be an offering acceptable to God, dedicated to him by the Holy Spirit. In union with Christ Jesus, then, I can be proud of my service for God. I will be bold and speak only about what Christ has done through me to lead the Gentiles to obey God. He has done this by means of words and deeds and by the power of miracles and wonders and by the power of the Spirit of God. And so, in traveling all the way from Jerusalem to Illyricum, I have proclaimed fully the good news about Christ. My ambition has always been to proclaim the good news in places where Christ has not been heard of, so as not to build on a foundation laid by someone else. As the scripture says, those who were not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. And so I have been prevented many times from coming to you, but now that I have finished my work in these regions, and since I have been wanting for so many years to come to see you, I hope to do so now. I would like to see you on my way to Spain and be helped by you to go there, after I have enjoyed visiting you for a while. Right now, however, I'm going to Jerusalem in the service of God's people there, for the churches in Macedonia and Achaia have freely decided to give an offering to help the poor 
among God's people in Jerusalem. That decision was their own, but as a matter of fact, they have an obligation to help them. Since the Jews shared their spiritual blessings with the Gentiles, the Gentiles ought to use their material blessings to help the Jews. When I have finished this task and have turned over to them all the money that has been raised for them, I shall leave for Spain and visit you on my way there. When I come to you, I know that I shall come with a full measure of the blessing of Christ. I urge you, friends, by our Lord Christ Jesus and by the love that the Spirit gives, Join me in praying fervently to God for me. Pray that I may be kept safe from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service in Jerusalem may be acceptable to God's people there. And so I will come to you full of joy, if it is God's will, and enjoy a refreshing visit with you. May God, our source of peace, be with all of you. Amen. Let me start us out in prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for Paul's words. Everything written in the scriptures was written to teach us in order that we might have hope through the patience and encouragement which the scriptures give us. You, O Lord, are the source of that patience and encouragement. May we praise you with one voice, and may you heal the needless divisions in your body. May we no longer be seen as so fractious. Give us wisdom, Lord, as we are being attacked in so many ways. Bring us together as we face those who criticize us for being intolerant, while they themselves are intolerant of us. Help us to know how to build one another up in fully believing. O oh Lord, how much we need the qualities Paul mentioned that are given as we fully believe your word. They are joy, peace, and hope. Lord, we can only grow in these things as you help us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Then also please give us goodness and knowledge and the ability to correctly teach one another. Thank you, Father for all these encouragements that you have given to us today.